0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now, let's join our guest speaker. The title of the message today is, Hear, Repent, and Overcome. Okay? Hear, Repent, and Overcome. So I got these three words from Revelation chapter 2, which is what Pastor asked me to share on today. Uh, so this isn't the easiest message to share on, but I'll try to be gracious like he usually is, and uh, and share this as best I can. Um, actually, I've shared this message on Revelation 2 and 3 uh, a year or two ago. And so today I'm not going to go into the symbolism. If you want to know the symbolism, just read your study Bible. If you don't have a study Bible, buy one. If you can't afford one, then just Google it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> seriously, I'm, I'm being very serious. Uh, you, you, need, you need a good study Bible. Or you need to at least uh, be able to search online, search things out. Um, So, Revelation chapter 2, hear, repent, and overcome. Those are the words that Jesus used. right? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And then He says, He commends them. Then He says, well, these things I have against you and you need to repent. Then He said, I want you to overcome and here are the rewards. Every single letter, that's what He says. Okay. So I'm only covering chapter 2 today. Um, I think, Khalid, you doing chapter three next week okay great Uh, so let me get started but one thing I want to start with is like any good teacher I am a teacher Um, I actually left engineering because I didn't like it and I found out I was a teacher and I loved it so I I love teaching anything whether it's how to change a, a tire on a car whether it's teaching in front of you guys the Bible or whether it's teaching math I just love teaching that's that's who I am that's my gift um but I made a test up for us. Now, I, I realized that these letters, you know, Jesus writes a letter to seven churches, right? These are real churches 2,000 years ago. And he gives, what's he really doing? He's giving them feedback, right? Like, this is like job performance evaluation, have to put it in business terms, right? Those of you that work. So I'm going to give you, we're going to do a little JPE this morning, okay? I made up a little test. Do we actually have it on the slides? Yes, we do. Okay, so these are test questions. So you're going to score yourself just for fun, right? Here's how you score yourself. Now don't let anybody see your score. So if you can answer yes to the question, just kind of subtly hold out a finger. Right? And then if you can answer yes to the second question, hold out another finger. Got it? And then we'll just count the number of questions you answered yes to at the end. I'm not, We're not going to go over these results, obviously. All right, number one, are you consistently known for your good deeds, hardworking, sharing the Gospel, and perseverance? And when I mean sharing the Gospel, what I mean by that is I don't mean you're knocking on doors every single day. I don't mean you're standing in front of a crowd and preaching. I mean, it's just your lifestyle. Wherever you go... Salt and light comes out of you. So all of a sudden, like when you're standing by a fountain, and the Holy Spirit moves on you to stand on the fountain and sing "Amazing Grace," and then start talking about how much you love Jesus, you do it. And then when you're in the when you're in the uh, line at Walmart, and someone says, the cashier says, "How are you doing today?" You say, "Man, I am so blessed. God is just so good to me. I just love Him so much," because you really do, and you want that person to know that. That's what I mean. Everywhere you go, you diffuse the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yes or no? Okay. Number two. Do you go out of your way to love and serve those who irritate you with a joyful heart? Okay, I'm not doing too good on that one. I'll be honest with you. Number three. Do you enjoy talking to Jesus, singing to Him, and delighting in Him? Number four. Do you consistently deny yourself and put others ahead of you? Okay, consistently deny yourself. Number five, do you embrace and rejoice in suffering, looking forward to being closer to Christ? In other words, sharing in the sufferings of Jesus. Is that just something that's your passion? You just get into it. you just not doing very good on that one. Do you actively study the Bible to show yourself approved? Okay, remember, we got the fingers coming out here. Do you regularly avoid watching movies with sexual content? Now, <clears throat> that could mean you will watch a movie that has sexual content, in it, but you have clear play to filter it or maybe you fast forward through it and so you don't see it really. Okay, do you gently confront your Christian friends and family who may tell crude jokes, watch sexual movies, constantly complain or use profanity? Do you put more f- faith in the word of God than your circumstances. Is church consistently encouraging and edifying to you? Okay, these most of the key words for all these is consistently. Okay. It's not like eh, I kind of do that. It's like this is my pattern. Okay, so I don't know, my guess is, you know, scoring, I could only score myself. Um, definitely not impressed with my score on some of these. Uh, so I, the reason I gave this test, you know, when you give a message, God always deals with you first, unless you're just in pride. Um, so you know, God's already showed me uh, my problems. <laughs> so and He showed, it's it's really what He's calling us. He's calling us to maturity, isn't He? That's a, the whole point of just going through these questions. Is they just kind of give us a little snapshot of where we are, and every single one of these. That I put up there, I didn't get them. I took them from Revelation. I took them from the letters to the churches. Okay, so I didn't make any of this up. All right. So hopefully that encouraged you that if you if you see yourself lacking in some or you want to grow in some some of these, say God help me. Right. Okay. All right. We're going to read uh, the letters to the churches, starting in chapter two, to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Right. Uh, by the way, before I get into this. Um, I'm not going into the symbolism. Did I share that already? I think I did. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to focus on the main themes of these letters. You can look up the symbolism later. These things says, He who holds the seven stars in His right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Now, I I am going to stop here because Linda mentioned uh, Jesus walking in the midst of His church, right? What is this saying right here? He said, hey, I'm the one who walks in the midst of your church. So she's right on, isn't she? So Jesus knows Cornerstone. He knows our hearts. So He wants to share with us. He wants to commend us on the things we're doing well. He wants to point out the things we're not doing well. He wants us to repent. He wants us to overcome so we're going to be with Him forever in eternity, right? That's, that's the whole point of this message. Alright, so, I know your works. Your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. So he, he's saying, hey, you guys are doing good works. You're sharing the Gospel. You're testifying to the resurrection. You guys are laboring. You're, you're taking care of the poor and the needy. You guys are patient with people. Um, you, don't, you can't bear those who are evil. You've tested those who say they are apostles and are not and found them to be liars. Okay, so I don't know. apparently some, some people were kind of raising themselves up to be apostles. Uh, maybe teaching some things that weren't very good, right? And so Jesus is saying, hey guys, you're not tolerating these false teachers, people who are pretending to be apostles. You guys you guys are doing some good things. However, comma, space. Oh, wait. And you've persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weird. Sounds like they're doing a pretty good job, doesn't it? Alright, um, <clears throat> of course, he's going he's gonna to address some things that are lacking here in a second. But let me just talk about um, let me just talk about you know, people who you know want to be apostles, but they're not, uh, people that may be teachers that are bringing false doctrine. I just want to I just want to focus for a minute on that, um, because they were confronting that. You're fortunate to have a leadership team here, especially a pastor here, that will not tolerate false doctrine. I mean, he preaches the Word of God. We preach the Word of God. And you say, well, false teachers would say they're preaching the Word of God, wouldn't they? So how do you really know that we're preaching the Word of God? One, you read it yourself. Two, you have the Holy Spirit that bears witness with what we, we teach, right? And if we're off, you'll come to us and say something. Um, we have had false teachers in our church here at Cornerstone. Um, I remember back at Park Avenue, there was a guy who came in I wasn't an elder back then, but I remember. He had a, I believe it was Jesus only doctrine, which denies the Trinity. Um, and so I can't remember all the details. Sam or, or Pastor might remember better than me. But I just know that that guy was bringing that to our church. And um, I don't know who confronted him or if anyone talked with him, but he ended up leaving after a while, uh, which was good like a couple years earlier, like this was probably 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Um, a couple years ago, the guy walks in here. And I saw him, and I remember exactly what he looked like. I remember and he looked exactly the same. And I'm like, I can't believe this guy is here. Hopefully he's changed. So I made a, I made a beeline straight to him because um, I was going to let him know that church leadership was going to be actively engaged with him. Okay, in a nice way. I mean, I introduced myself. I didn't say anything mean or anything to him. But uh, I was all over him. And he, I think he came back one more time and then he left. Uh, so, again, I honestly have no idea where this guy was. This guy may have re- changed his, you know, who knows. Um, but, you know, one of the things of leadership is you've got to look out for the wolves in sheep's clothing. And we're, we're fortunate to have that here at this church. Okay? Um, but how do you know? Well, let, let, actually, let me back up because I, I, I want to keep sharing about this. In this town, you wouldn't think there's many false teachers because there's so many good Christian churches, honestly. But there really are. There really is a lot of false teaching. Um, a number of years ago, a brother that came here, him and his wife, they were servants of this church. Man, they were really great people. And they they really served and uh, seemed to love God. And um, they were here for a while. And then eventually they left. I have no idea why. And I saw him at Walmart one day. And he starts preaching to me. But he wasn't preaching the gospel to me, he's preaching all this garbage. I'm thinking, am I really hearing this? I mean, am I really hearing this in Walmart? You're really proselytizing me with this trash? So I was nice to him and listened. And I, said, I, I just said, look, it's not, that's, that's not right. And I just shared with him, but he didn't hear it at all. I mean, this guy bought into this stuff, hook, line, and sinker. And I, I just, my heart was broken for this guy. Two weeks ago, a friend of mine calls me up. We just talked, and he said, he said, hey, you remember such and such? I said, yeah, I know. And he said, man, I was talking with him, and he was sharing all this stuff with me that was really off. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is terrible. And so he's going to try to share some things, get up with this guy and share some things. But guys, it's out there. The false teaching is out there. Um, now, how do, you, how do you not become a false teacher? Because you would think, I'll never become a false teacher. Well, Scripture says, take heed lest you fall, right? Okay, so <clears throat> we have it in us to become false teachers. In this sense, in this sense. So how do, you, how do you not fall into this? Well, number one, if you're not saved, you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit to teach you and guide you, right? And give you the power to resist any trash that comes your way. So if you're not born again, you, you're subject to being, becoming a false teacher. You say, well, that would never happen. Well, yeah, it was. Pastor Willie was coming to this church. He wasn't even saved. Now, if he, he could have been... And he was teaching stuff. I guarantee his teaching was not going to be sound. Because he's not saved. How could it be? I'm not saying he couldn't teach the Bible. But if he doesn't have the Spirit of God leading him, we've got the blind leading the blind. In a sense. Um, if you're proud and arrogant, nobody can tell you anything, you're getting, pride comes before destruction. right? You set yourself up for a fall if you're proud. Um, if you're bitter at church leadership, if you're resentful, somebody's hurt you, you've got a chip on your shoulder, you're now in a position for Satan to attack you, okay? Because you haven't dealt with, you haven't asked for, you haven't taken it to the Lord, really, and dealt with it. Unforgiveness in your heart, maybe. Um, you don't know how to rightly divide the Word of Truth. We talked about that. How do you know if you are rightly dividing the Word of God? Well, one, you've got a good study Bible, right? That's probably good. Two, you're coming to the Bible studies. You're coming to Sam's Bible study, and three. <laughs> Three, if you get some kind of an idea and you share it with somebody, and they look at you like, I don't think so. See, now you were, that's that's like a really gentle rebuke, right? That that's probably not where you want to be taking that scripture. Nobody in the last two thousand years has thought that way. I'm not sure you may want to rethink that. Isn't that good, right? You're getting godly counsel, running things by each other. Okay, so. I just, I just really felt like we, we really needed to share that, that, um, that the false teaching is here in Lynchburg, and it can, it can knock on your door. Okay. All right. Let's keep reading in Revelation chapter two. Nevertheless, I have this against you. I'm in verse four, that you have left your first love. Okay. So, to me, if I've left my first love, like for me to love Jesus. Means I'm in his presence, I'm enjoying him, I'm singing praises to him. Like, that's what it, like, that's the first words out of my mouth if you say to me, What does it mean to you to love Jesus? But the scripture doesn't really define it that way. Now, I'm not saying that that, that's not an indication that you don't love Jesus, because it is, obviously. But the scripture defines love how? Jesus said, If you love me, Keep My commandments, right? But this was so important that Jesus said, remember therefore from where you have fallen, verse 5, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand, that means your church, from its place unless you repent. So Cornerstone, if you're not loving people, I'm going to shut you down. I mean, Isn't that what He says? He says it's to all the churches, doesn't He? Yeah, yeah. So, But here's, there's another aspect of love. Like, how do you know you're loving God? And I really want to focus on this one today. And it's defined, if I can find it here, 1 John 4.20. So let's look at 1 John 4.20. Alright, 1 John 4.20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Right? And this commandment we have from him that whoever loves God must love his brother also. So, could I come to church? I raise my hands. I'm just so thankful to be in God's presence. I'm praising him. I go home. I go to work. I go to school. And there's someone that really irritates me. And I don't want anything to do with them. And maybe I snap at them. What just happened to this church thing? It's kind of invalidated, isn't it? I mean, isn't it? I mean, is it hypocrisy? I mean, now I'm I'm not, you know, raising your hand and and surrendering and loving and praising and falling on your face before God. That is awesome. Keep it up. Do it more. I'm just saying if our practice is then to leave these four walls and we're irritable with our children, our wives, at school people bother us. We get upset and we yell at people in our cars and traffic. I mean, you see what I'm saying? It's like like, uh, something's not lining up, right? I mean, and Jesus said, if you don't love those whom you can see, then you're not loving God whom you can't see, right? So, when I think of this letter to Ephesus, you know that's why I put that question in there. Do you go out of your way to love those and serve those who irritate you with a joyful heart? And yeah, you know, there's somebody at school that always gets on your nerves. There's somebody in the workplace that always gets on your nerves, right? And what do I mean by love? Do I mean ignore them and stay away from them? Is that love? That's... Now, if someone's abusing you, I don't, I don't mean you stay there and become abused. That's not what I'm saying. But love, isn't it proactive? Because it, what if Jesus just kind of ignored us because we're sinful? Where would we be? <laughs> not very good, would we? So can we proactively go after the people that irritate us with a genuine heart of compassion, And love to serve them. That's love. Okay, so back to uh, back to Revelation chapter two here. Let's see what Jesus says. He tells them to repent, Uh, verse six. But this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Probably false teachers. We don't know what what they were teaching. But Nico means conqueror. Laity means people. So whoever they were, they were conquering the people, probably misleading people with false teaching. He who has an ear to hear. So cornerstone, do we have an ear to hear what Jesus is saying to the churches? To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So if we overcome, what's our reward? We spend time with the Lord forever, right? Is it worth it? It is okay. Good. All right. Next church, Church of Smyrna. Right. These things. I'm in verse uh, chapter two, verse eight. These things says the first and last, who was dead and came to life. That's kind of important. Jesus is introducing himself to the Smyrna church as, "Hey, I died. I rose from the dead, guys." So that might be important with what he says to them. I know your works, sharing the gospel, serving people. Tribulation, suffering for their faith, right? Poverty, they don't have much. But you are rich. I'm your inheritance, guys. right? And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and who are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Okay, so who are these Jews that are blaspheming and are a synagogue of Satan? Who killed Jesus? The Jews. The Romans physically crucified him, didn't they? But who? The Scripture holds the Jews responsible. It really does. Um, Who is persecuting Paul? The Jews. Now, the Gentiles did, and the Romans did persecute the Christians. But would you agree that the Jews (laughs) did a lot of the persecuting? Well, that's what's going on here. Synagogue of Satan. That's just, that's just Jews who have evil hearts. that gather together, right? And they're persecuting the Jewish believers. Um, he says, Don't fear any of those things which are, you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. So, what's Jesus saying? Did you, you guys see any rebuke in here to them? No, he didn't rebuke them. There was, nothing, there was nothing they're doing wrong. What is he saying? He's saying, hey guys, you're about to be persecuted by the Jews. You're about to be thrown into prison and killed, but please hold on to the end. It's worth it. Be faithful unto death, right? So, when Jesus introduced himself as the as the first and the last, the one who was dead and who's now alive, wouldn't that encourage you? If you're about to be killed for your faith, you have solid knowledge that the same Lord who was crucified, died, and rose from the dead. We have the same confidence that we also will rise from the dead if we're killed. So that would be comforting to them, right? I really want to talk about suffering. I'm going to labor this for a little bit. Um, My wife didn't know this, but she got me this library book probably a month ago. And it's by Francis Chan. It's called uh, Letters to the Church. And she had no idea I was doing a message on letters to the church. (laughs) So, in fact, I think I was reading it before I even knew I was doing (laughs) this message on letters to the church. But Francis Chan... He's been able to travel around the world. and uh, He's seen different churches. And so he was talking to these Iranian believers. And let me share what their Connect Step class is. They don't call it Connect Step. I'm just saying that for our sakes, Elder Sam. So take notes on this, brother. (laughs) Um, Here's their Connect Step class, right? You want to join the Iranian church. Okay, you have to sign a written statement And the written statement, you have to agree. I mean, you're signing this. You have to agree to lose all your property. You have to agree to be thrown into jail. And you have to agree to be martyred for your faith, to join the church. Okay? What's our Connect Step class look like? (laughs) I'm not making fun of our Connect Step class. However, I am making a comparison, right? A, a very stark one. That's intense, guys. That's, that's just intense. Iraqi believers. Okay, a, Iraqi believers say that what we call sanctification, they call prerequisite. Now, I'm going to have to explain this to you. Um, the, Ara- the Iraqi believers were saying, uh, you know when Jesus taught that if you want to be my disciple... If anyone wants to be my disciple, he should deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, right? Um, if you don't hate your mother, brother, father, daughter, sister, you cannot be my disciple. Okay, to them, they're saying that the churches in the West take their good old time about surrendering and yielding. But the Iraqi church, they realize that when you join the church, you literally do what Jesus said instantly. I I give it all. I'm dying. I mean, I might die tomorrow physically. I'm just surrendering my whole life, all my property, all my possessions to God. Period. Today. I do it today. See, we kind of take our time year after year after year. God works. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't work in their hearts over time. That's that's not the point. You guys understand what I'm saying, right? Okay. Um, Then he went to China and he visited the underground church in China, and so he's with these Chinese believers, and they were telling stories about um, the police shooting at them. Um, They had to hide in their houses, like uh, maybe they made secret places in walls, um, because they were, you know, the police would come after them. Uh, They didn't want them uh, worshiping, you know, in their church. So, but as they were talking about it, he said, "What struck him as odd was they were laughing and joking." They were laughing and kind of rejoicing about relaying their stories of persecution. And he's like, that's kind of weird. And then, when they were praying, the way they prayed struck him as odd. They prayed, Lord, please, we don't want to go to a safe place. We just want to be counted worthy to die for Your name's sake. Okay, now, my prayer's and your prayers, and I know this because I've, I've heard you pray, our prayers, we don't pray that. You don't. You don't pray that. I don't pray that. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. There might be, unless if the Holy Spirit shows you that. But it's just, it makes me question, I'm going to speak for myself, it makes me wonder, you know, what am I doing? I mean, really, what am I doing? All my prayers... I mean, I I pray for people. I pray for salvation for people. I pray for healing for people. I pray for safety and protection. But isn't one of our big prayers safety and protection over ourselves and our families? It is. It really is. Your kids walk out that door. You pray for safety and protection. Anyone in this church goes somewhere, we pray for your safety and protection. There's nothing wrong with that. I just think we're missing something. I think we're missing something. The Chinese Church had five pillars. Cornerstone has five values. I'm going to give you both of them. Okay, the Chinese church, here are their five pillars. Number one, deep, deep commitment to prayer. And they intentionally listed deep twice. Okay That's great, isn't it? Prayer? Number two, commitment to the word of God. Okay, that's good. Number three, commitment to sharing the gospel. Number four, regular expectation of miracles. Number five, embracing suffering for the glory of Christ. Okay, cornerstones values. An intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Can't beat that. The Word of God is the standard. No doubt. Character development. Absolutely. Bearing fruit. Definitely. Definitely. Spiritual gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Bring it on. What are we missing? We're missing a commitment to sharing the Gospel. And we're missing embracing suffering for the glory of Christ. So I I would appeal to the leadership that maybe we need to add two to our values, right? Then we would have seven values. Now... Here's the thing. You say, well, you know, John, we live in a country where religious persecution is forbidden, right? Our laws protect us. So don't expect me to do what they do. And I've thought that way for 30 years. But I had a different thought (laughs) for the first time (laughs) in 30 years. (laughs) And I'm gonna, I'll i apply it to myself, but I'll share it with you because there might be something to it. You guys can judge it. You know, why aren't we persecuted? Well, because our rights of freedom of worship are protected. I'm not so sure that's true. I'm thinking, this is a theory, right? I'm just going to throw this out. This is not thus says the Lord. But I wonder if, We are not persecuted because we do not consistently spread the light in our communities. We are not consistently and actively bearing witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are not consistently and actively diffusing the fragrance of Christ, the knowledge of Christ, wherever we go. We are not consistently telling people our stories, our testimonies, and telling them about Jesus Christ. Because if we would, what do you think would happen? Actually, I already know that that's a fact because the Scripture says it is, and I'm going to read that Scripture here in a minute. So I'm just wondering, are we really doing what we're supposed to be doing in that area? I'm going to come to church, we praise God, we want to be in His presence. we serve people, right uh, we We give, we, we help people with their needs. Uh, we pray, we have prayer teams, we have these wonderful things going on but I think honestly I think we're missing something very big in this church, in Lynchburg's church and the church throughout the US. I just I just submit that to you I don't it's just just thoughts here. Okay, I want to read some scriptures just so you don't think I'm making this stuff up. Um, let's see here. I'm on Second Thessalonians, chapter one, verses four through five. All right, Second Thessalonians one four. Paul says this: "So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions." and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you suffer. So when the Chinese believers were praying that they could suffer to be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, is that a valid prayer to pray? 2 okay. um, Timothy 2, 3, and 4. 2 Timothy 2 3. You therefore must endure hardship, suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Is there an option with that? Paul's telling Timothy, hey guys, this is just part of the package. When you sign on the dotted line to serve Jesus Christ, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please. Him who enlisted him as a soldier. Guys, I had this thought too. Again, I'm just going to throw these thoughts out to you. I have a feeling that we are more engaged with the affairs of this life than we are with being engaged in warfare, getting the Gospel out, making disciples. That's, that's, just, that's just a thought. It um, <coughs> doesn't mean... You know we're not doing the work of the ministry because we are. It just means, you know, we might be missing something here. Um, our culture is so subtle, and you really can't—you uh, really can't appreciate how assimilated the church is in the culture until you go to a different country, and then you realize, well, they don't do what we do, and they don't do that, especially a country where the church isn't assimilated into a worldly culture okay we have so much s- sex out there on social media so much rebellion i mean people are calling good evil people are p- calling evil good it's all around you can say whatever you want now it doesn't matter it, you can say whatever you want you can whine and complain on social media and millions of people can hear it i mean it's just incredible what we have so I'm just saying, you know, let's let's keep a laser focus. Let's not get sucked into all the lust, all the sensuality, all the complaining, all the going off on people, all the, you know, he's not going to tell me what to do. <clears throat> okay, um, Hebrews 13.12. Hebrews here. Therefore, Jesus also, that He may sanctify the people with His own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to Him outside the camp bearing His reproach. What is He saying? I mean, what is He saying? What is He really saying? That's my question. I'm not sure if I really understand. He's saying let us go outside of the camp to bear his reproach. I mean, going outside the, the camp, that was an Old Testament idea. Um, but to apply it to New Testament, bearing his reproach. How many of you pray, God, please, let me bear the reproach of Jesus Christ and bring you honor and glory with my life? You guys don't pray that. I don't pray that. Should we pray that? The author of Hebrew was telling him. He said, "Hey guys, he said, let's go forth and do this." Right? Is that what he, he said that to the church? It's crazy, isn't it? <clears throat> crazy. First Peter two twenty. First Peter two twenty. I mean, I actually read 19 first for this is commendable if because of conscience toward God conscience towards God one endures grief suffering wrongly for what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults and you take it patiently but when you are when you do good and suffer if you take it patiently this is commendable before God okay if if he had just stopped right there we'd be off the hook <laughs> But he had to add verse 21, for to this you were called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in His steps. And it goes on to say He was reviled. He did not revile in return. I mean, it's talking about literally Christ suffering for us. But what did He say? I think I missed it. He said you were called Because Christ is your example. So, He's the one that we need to follow. So anyway, guys, um, I just want to share, if I can open your eyes and minds to think in maybe a different way today. Okay? And that's why I see when Jim, when you shared, and Linda, what you guys shared about that, that little girl standing on a fountain, Sharing about Christ? Guys, that's awesome. And we applaud that, right? We applaud that. And then what? Then what? I mean, really. Then what? And and I'm I'm speaking to myself. I failed in that. I, I confess. I repent. I really do. Alright, let's get back to Revelation chapter two. I don't want to uh I don't want you guys to get down or anything. <laughs> Let's go back to uh, Thyatira. All right, so message to uh, Thyatira. So I'm in chapter 2, verse 12. To the angel in Pergamos write, These things says he who, know, who has a sharp two edged sword. I know your works, good works, where you dwell. Where Satan's throne is. Obviously, a lot of satanic activity in opposition to the Gospel. And you hold fast to My name, and they did not deny My faith, even in the days when Antipas, My faithful martyr, who was killed among you. Okay, picture this. So Jim decides to actually go out and do this stuff. He starts sharing the Gospel. He gets killed for his faith. We're praying for him. It happens. Two things happen to this church. One, a spirit of fear falls on this congregation and we, we're, not gonna, we're not sharing the Gospel because we're afraid. Two, a spirit of boldness falls on this congregation just like it did in the book of Acts and we boldly go and proclaim our faith, right? Jesus is saying to this church, hey guys, when Ananias died, you guys didn't shrink back. Isn't that cool? But I have a few things against you because you have those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam. Who taught Balaam, Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality? Thus, you have those who hold to the doctrine of Nicolaitans, which I hate. Of course, he tells them to repent. Repent. So Balaam was teaching them to commit idolatry, right with their food, sacrificing to idols, and to commit sexual Immorality. So it's really, you know, when we talk about sacrificing to idols, like we don't sacrifice to idols in our homes, and, you know what I mean? But are there idols that we can be tripped up with? Yeah, like if I pull a dollar bill, if I pull a hundred dollar bill out, somebody's heart's going to beat a little faster, okay? <laughs> Now, you know you you might be slipping into idolatry if you're constantly worried about finances. Because you're not trusting in Christ, you're trusting in your circumstances, right? Um, How about doctors? Doctors could be an idol, couldn't they? Because you could trust doctors to heal you and not God to heal you. Now, if I asked everybody in this room, do you think you have put your trust in doctors and have committed idolatry? Some of you might say yes. I'm guessing you'd probably all say no. Most people would probably say no. It wasn't I've been I've I've had to deal with sickness for seven straight years. And so I've gone to see the doctor. Gone to see the doctor, gone to see the doctor, gone to see the doctor. Gone to see the doctor for years, then went to see the nutritionists and went to see the chiropractors and went to see the naturopath and took all the supplements and everything and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and still pray, right? And I'm not healed yet. And God showed me that I had a subtle trust in doctors. But you don't know you trust doctors until you have something that doctors can't heal. Then you realize wow, I really was subtly putting my trust in the, in the medical system. That's idolatry, right? So think about that, guys. <laughs> when I take aspirin, I say, God, this, this isn't going to work unless you make it work. And I'm dead serious. And then I pop the pill. Because I know who anoints medication. You guys see what I'm saying? And I, I'm doing that to remind myself that my trust is not in medicine. My trust is not in doctors. My trust is in the living God who raised up doctors in medicine to help us. Do you guys see that? Okay. Um, mentions tolerating sexual immorality. Well, this is at Pergamos. I think I'm just going to talk about... Um, I'll just I'll just leave it at that with the uh the idolatry there. And let me just finish that up. He says in verse 16, Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword in my mouth. So repent, right? So if you guys have some subtle trust in doctors, what should you do? Repent. I repent. <laughs> God, I repent. Help me do what's right. Repent. Or else I will come to you quickly and I will fight against them with the sword in my mouth. He who has the ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, whoever, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat and I will give him a white stone and on that stone a new name will be written which no one knows except him who receives it. So again, if we overcome, if we overcome then we're going to be with Christ. We'll have a new name and we'll be with Him in paradise. That's encouraging. Last church and to the angel of the church of Thyatira. These things says the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and His feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, patience. Again, they're doing some good things. And last, more than first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. So same with Pergamus and Pergamus, they were eating things sacrificed to idols and sexual immorality, right? Same thing here in Thyatira. Um, and I gave her time to repent of her sexual immoralities. She didn't repent. Indeed, I'll cast her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her in a great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds, right? So I don't know if this is a literal woman named Jezebel or if it's a pseudonym. But there's some, there's some kind of activity encouraging the believers to offer food to idols and have, commit sexual immorality, right? In the church. That's not good, guys. That's not good. <clears throat> so why did I ask you, why did I, in my test question, ask... Um, let's see, where was it? Do you regularly avoid watching movies with sexual content? Isn't that kind of like... I mean, it's not the physical act, but isn't that where it starts in the heart? Jesus said if you lust in your heart, you have committed adultery in your heart, right? So we want to cut it off. We never want to get to the act. We want to cut it off in the heart. So that's why you know, a lot of times if I speak to you guys, I want to keep bringing this up because our culture is so saturated with sexual immorality. And I want to call it for what it is. It's sin. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah it's sin. So, uh, you know, if, if you watch a movie and you don't have a filtering with it, at least hit the fast forward. Like, you know how it does times two, times four, times six, times eight? I mean, hit it. You know, crank it up to times eight and zip through it. And then hit play. That's all you have to do. I mean, it's. It's better if you actually research the movie and see what's in it before you watch it, right? So then you're not going to be surprised. So it's it's best to not even watch movies that you know beforehand. Um, And, of course, there's filtering devices out there, like I already mentioned. Uh, Online porn. If any of you are into online porn, um, it's sin. You need to confess it. But you're going to need help to overcome it. Uh, because it's it, it becomes a habit. It's kind of like an alcohol addiction. So if, if anyone's into online porn, you really need to talk to myself, Elder Sam, or Pastor Willie. And we, we would want to help you, not condemn you, but honestly help you. And you would do that, of course. And that would be in strict confidentiality, obviously. Um, do you sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Is that right to do, do you think? well, the culture says it's right, is the church in bed with the culture? You know, if you tell me, well, we don't do anything. Well, number one, you're probably a liar. And number two, you say, well, I was just tired and I didn't want to drive home. So I slept on the couch. If you on, if you really did sleep on the couch, and you probably didn't, but if you really did sleep on the couch, is it still okay to do it? No. Because... You're an an example in the church. So now, you sleep on the couch at your girlfriend's house or your boyfriend's house. Somebody at church in your youth group finds out you're doing this, and guess what they think? Oh, it's okay to sleep over. And they do it, and even if you legitimately had a good reason, do you think they have the strength to do that? No. There's no way in the world. So we don't do that period you just don't do that um, let's see what else here let's finish up uh, let's finish up this letter in revelation chapter two so I'm in verse twenty three now what are the consequences to to committing sexual immorality and idolatry. I will kill her children." Who said that? Jesus said that, right? Isn't that pretty strict? We have to remember God is holy, isn't He? He's loving. He's kind. He's compassionate. A bruised reed He will not break. God God never tears down. He's always building up. But God is holy. So when we live in a culture that's saturated with a bunch of trash, we just have to remember that God is holy. And we are holy, aren't we? Okay, good. So, I will kill her children with death, and all the churches will know that I am He who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now I say to you and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan. I'm not sure what the depths of Satan is. I kind of picture witchcraft and sorcery. So definitely stay away from that stuff. As they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. He who overcomes and keeps my works until the end to Him, I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. Wait a minute. That Scripture was applied to Jesus Christ, not us. Now He's applying it to us. How can that be? Because we're co-rulers with Christ. Isn't that intense? In the millennial kingdom and in heaven, we're going to be ruling like responsibility, like doing things for Jesus. Guys, That's who, who can comprehend that? So if we persevere, if we overcome, and if we make it, we're going we're to be on the throne with Christ. And that's not my words. Kali, you'll get to in Revelation 3.20. I have also... <clears throat> I also have received from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. Most, most commentators agree the morning star is Christ. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the, what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, so kind of a difficult message, right? But hopefully, I mean, am I challenging you guys to think a, think a little bit? And does this help us see where is our church? Because the letters to the churches in Revelation, Jesus wanted them like to see where they were and where they could improve. And where if they were lacking, like wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to know if you're not pleasing God in an area? We do. It, hopefully I haven't been condemning. I'm not condemning at all. I've confessed I'm the first to have violated a number of these things that I've, I've brought to you. But my heart is I want to please God. I want to repent. I want to change. But I need help doing that. and so I need help from my brothers and sisters, I need help with prayer, and um, by God's grace, I'll do it, right? Now, are you guys going to overcome? The answer is yes. And here's how I know that, here's how I know that I'm going to see you guys in heaven. You ready? I'm going to finish with this. First John 4:4. 1 John 4 4. You are of God, Cornerstone Community Church, and have overcome because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Right? All right, how about 1 uh, John 5 4? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Do you guys have faith? Have you guys been born again? If you've been born again and you have faith, according to God, you're going to overcome. Who is He who overcomes the world? But He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you guys believe Jesus is the Son of God? He died on the cross for your forgiveness of sins, rose from the dead. He wants us to put our trust in Him. As soon as we put our trust in Him, cry out to Him to save us, He sends His Holy Spirit to come live in our heart. We're now born again. We now have faith. We now have the Holy Spirit cheering us on, giving us strength in our inner man with might through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when I die on my deathbed, I know where I'm going in that next instant. I know. And I'll see you guys there. Because we are an overcoming church. Amen? Let me just pray a prayer blessing over you guys. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. So go today in the peace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.